Hello and welcome to Voice of Restoration, a broadcast outreach of the Christian Brethren Church, bringing you Bible-based teachings from author and Bible teacher, Pastor Afolabi Oladeli. I struggled about what title to give this. I don't... But when he began to talk about celebration, it was a confirmation to me that maybe that's what we should be talking about. Celebration. What are we celebrating? Give you the parable of the rich young man. The rich young man came to him. No, don't, don't worry. I'm, I'm, so I can paraphrase this. There is still a bit, we have a little bit of journey to go. So we won't, I'm, I'm just going to, to give you scriptures and, 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 and stories. and not, not just stories, but things of illustration. The young man came to him. What do I need to have life? Because the guarantee of life we are talking about. And Jesus confronted me and said, Why do you call me good? There is none who is good but God. But if you must enter life, go and do what? Go and do what? Go and sell. <laughs> and the scripture said the man looked at him. Oh God. What's your problem? You are a sadist. You want me to return to the level of true life has Christ as its center and its focus. Because he didn't just say to him, go and sell all that you had. Please. Let's read our Bibles well. He gave him a substitute that was greater than what he was told to go and sell. He gave him what? A substitute. If, he, if Jesus had said, go and sell all that you have, then he would have had occasion to say, you are a terrorist, sir. But he gave him something else. He said, Go and do that and then come and do what? Come and follow me. Because what you are looking for is not in what I ask you to give away. What you are looking for is in me. And that is the trade that we are asking ourselves, punching ourselves, kicking ourselves, admonishing ourselves to get to the point I was at the, at the funeral of a young man last week, Tuesday. As I listened to Brother Rappu preaching, when he finished everything, he said, what then is the purpose of life? And he went back to 1 Corinthians when Paul was saying, he said, for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. If you can't resolve all the issues of your life, everyday living, on that statement alone, you have trouble. For me to live is Christ. Whether work, sleep, home, office, market, everything dovetails. For me to live is Christ. The whole purpose of it centered around him. The substitute that the Lord gave to that young man 
was too much for him to absorb. It beats his reasoning. And this is the measure of trouble that we all have. Oh Lord. If you get to understand why God was speaking so vehemently about Sabbath being a sign, it's all tied to this matter of perception. It's all tied to this matter of perception. I never knew until and I will deal with this in depth, but for you to just get a glimpse of it. That the seventh day was in fact God's crowning creation in the seven days. I'm not taking away from the place of man. Because if you look at the scripture, it said he actually finished the work in the seventh day. All the things that God created in the first six days were the tangible things that you see. That you can touch. That you can hold. What then did he do differently in the seventh day that was work that we didn't see? They are the invisible things that relate to our eternal God. That brings us completeness in him. That's why he said, the things which are seen, they are temporal. But the things which are not seen are the things which are eternal. Those who will enter into the rest of God must come into the dimension of the creative works he was doing in the seventh day that are not based on tangibility. They are based upon the word of promise. They are based upon the word of promise. We sing the song. Bobati Soro, Benolori, Alabara. That I move away from the touch. I see, I hold to the things that He speaks. And I know that when He promises me, He will bring it to pass. That is the rest that He's asking us to enter into. The rest that goes away from I see, I hold. I see, I hold. To the word of life by which he holds all things together. Unfortunately, all of us, like wretched men that we are, we fall prey to what that man Solomon came to understand when he said he made all things beautiful in his time and he put the word in their hearts that nobody can find out what God is doing. But we, it is ours to find out, it is ours to find out, it is ours to know. That the place of rest belongs unto those who have gone away from focus upon the things that the eyes can behold, that the things that the hands can hold, to the things that man cannot see. The things that are based upon the word of the eternal king. That is the power of the Sabbath. That is the power of the Sabbath. That is what this man didn't understand. Who obeyed all the laws. He obeyed all the laws. That all these have I obeyed since my youth. And the words that Jesus looked at him. And he loved him. And he said, come and enter into the rest. Come and enter into the place of faith. Come and enter into the place where the spoken word brings reality. Not the things that you can touch or the money in your bank. And the young man could not see it. He couldn't enter into the rest. He couldn't enter the veil. He separated himself out. And the cry of my heart is, don't separate yourself out. This is the hour of transition. When the spoken word, I love the way when you were reading it yesterday, when he spoke about faith, real faith is anchored upon what? 
upon the word of promise. Real faith. Anchored upon the word of promise. Not the substance of what I can touch with my hands. What I can hold. And except we can transit into that. That's why we are the trouble that we are. And we judge ourselves by the fineness of our clothing. Hear me. I love you to put on fine clothes. As long as Christ is the center of it. So that you will be children of God with understanding. I have to press forward now. Jeez. This is, this is tough. Let's go to Isaiah 66. Let's go to Isaiah 66. We will hang it like a piece of cloth at one o'clock, independent of wherever we get. Thus saith the Lord. And we read this last Sunday. Heaven is my throne. And the earth is my footstool. The earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye build unto me? Where is the house that you built unto me? And where is the place of my rest? And you saw the different translations that we looked at. I own all these things. Verse 2. For all those things had mine. All these things are mine. And made. And those things have been, said the Lord. So your abundance is not what is going to impress me. That's all he's saying. Because a money, what do you have? What do you have that I didn't give you? That's not what is going to impress me. Your wealth is not that. I don't value you on that basis. Let the world value them according to the money. If you are people who read the scripture so that you know why I spoke about the power of tomorrow belonging to man. Sorry, belonging to the Lord Jesus Christ. The man Batusta. Did you read his story? The richest Brazilian. All of a sudden. Bankruptcy. Go and search it out. I'm, I'm not going to. Those are contemporary things that God uses to teach us. Batusta, these are recent events. In the last three months, the richest man in all of Brazil, the reversal that he went through even embarrassed the Brazilian government themselves. So that you understand who has the power of tomorrow. The one who has the power of tomorrow is the guarantee of my future. Amen. And that's all I'm recommending to you, people. So that in all that you are doing, all you are running after, all you are going after, all you are doing, and so on and so forth, let's come back to this one point. This same one point. That he said, I gave, I'm going to give all these things to you. You will come to the wilderness and do what? And make sacrifice and worship me. What do you find in the wilderness? Plenty of people who are collating you. No! No! But we have taken the abundance of people around us to be the place that we have. Look, then we don't haven't come to the place of understanding. That's why I... I see them, but I don't see them in the, in the dimension that counts. I don't see them in the dimension that counts. 
October. It was in Abuja. Was it October? No, September. The biggest contract that anybody will sign in Nigeria, all the big banks and so on and so forth, came to an icon Noga that day. Red carpet was even spread on the ground. And I was just standing by there. They were signing, they were trying to sign the contract of the refineries. The refinery that this young man was going to build. And as people were, <laughs> and he saw me. Ah! Stood out of the crowd. Kwanabu. Kwanawudu. We see them. But what we chase is different from that. And that's what I'm trying to get you to understand. The guarantee of tomorrow is not that. The guarantee of tomorrow is the Lord. Be on good terms with him. Have a relationship with him. Don't contend with him in your heart. When he says give up, give up. Because he's able to give you something greater. He's able to give you something greater. All those things my hand has made. But to this man will I look. But this is the man that I will esteem. Look at it. There's another translation. He said, this man will I look. He said, this is the man that I will esteem. When you start speaking about esteeming, you are speaking about worth. This is the one I, the living God, who owns all things, who created all things. This is the one that I will esteem. Number one. He was humble. Number two. And contrite in spirit. Number three. And trembles at my word. Your worth, my sister, my brother, my sons, my daughters. This is God's basis of esteeming a man. This is the man that I esteem. The man who is humble, who is of a contrite heart. Sorry, contrite spirit. And the man who does what? Who trembles at my word. We will examine, but please, so that I can lay the foundation and then just run through the last portion of this. And when the Lord permits, we will take the other dimensions of that. Let's continue. Has not my heart, yes? But now, now, good, 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 good. So you go on. But whoever sacrifices a bull. Now you will find he specifies those three things. And the next verses. Then break up the issues. That deal with every one of those things that he spoke about. The man who is humble. The number one. And then he gave the picture. Of the people who are coming to him. In the place of sacrifice. Remember that's where we started. Remember that's where he told the income writer. Start from here. But what did God see in that place? That's what he, was, he then began to speak here. To compare with the one who is humble in spirit. He said, 
Whoever brings the sacrifices of bull is like one who does what? Kills Yes. And whoever offers a lamb like one who breaks a dog's ah. neck. Whoever makes a grain offering is like one who presents pig's blood. And whoever burns, a, burns memorial incense like one who worships an idol. They have chosen their own ways and their souls delight in their abominations. That's in the place of humility, this is what he sees. And I'm going to explain that. So that we can bring ourselves to reality and begin to find where am I in the comparison that the Lord is setting. Verse 4. So, I also will choose harsh treatment for them and will bring upon them what they dread. So you understand again for a third time where there is discrepancy between hearing and what performance, what comes after that. Thank you. You see it again. Therefore, I will choose harsh treatment for them to bring upon them what they dread. For when I called, no one answered. When I spoke, no one listened. They did evil in my sight. And chose what displeases me. Verse 5. Hear the word of the Lord. Stop it there. I just wanted you to see. I won't get to this portion yet. I will get to this portion by the grace of God. When we get to the fasting meeting. Because you need to understand all the things we are speaking about transition. Hear me. Not a word. That was spoken from this altar. From the time that God began to speak about the deceitfulness of sin. All through the time he went on to Babylon. Grace. All that he spoke concerning the feasts. Every word were orchestrated by heaven. That now anyone who has heard. Will not have an excuse. Because they were orchestrated. To let the people know that I am ushering in what? The transition. I'm ushering in what? The transition. So that those who belong, they know where they stand. And those who don't belong, they will get their result. So I charge you. If you have not, if you just took these things, <laughs> I pray that the Lord will lift you up to the dimensions where you can begin to see with his eyes. And understand why he is doing what. And be able to put these things together in the manner that will shape your lives and your instructions and the way you are walking. Not one, not one of any of those things just came astray. Now, let's try and understand a little bit more about what it is that happens there. I'm going to try to answer about three or four questions. And I'm going to hang it whichever way we're doing the next 35 minutes before it's one because there's still a child dedication that will be done. What attitude was being reflected in this verse? In that verse 3. It said, when you came to the place of my altar, the place of my sacrifice, please go back to verse 3. He that killeth an ox is as if he slew a man. Sacrifices the lamb is as though he cuts a dog's neck. The one that came to offer an oblation, swine's blood in the house of God, what do you take God for? 
What do you take him for? Bajen Simi Ojare. I want you to translate that sense for me so that people can understand it. It's a reflection of an attitude of heart here that God is speaking about. The attitude of Bajen Simi. Please help me. He said, I can't try to. When you say something, Bajen Simi, don't, 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 don't bother me, Ojari. You say we should bring offering to your house. Bah! Take. What do you want? It reflects an attitude of heart. And I want to break that down. Let's go to the book of Job. This is a man that we call righteous. The man that until you dig deeper, you don't begin to get what was the issue with this man. Please, so you can help me with time, I want the revised standard version and I want the contemporary English version and the KGV. Those three I need for the next couple of scriptures that I'm going to be going through. The revised standard version, the contemporary English, the CEV, <laughs> And then the KJ, K, King James Version. Job chapter, chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Give me from verse 32 to verse 35. And I want you to be alive to the scriptures please. Because I'm going to be asking you. What is your sense of what the scriptures were trying to convey? Let's go through them quickly please. RSV. For he is not a man as I am. God is, is not a man as I am. Yes. I might answer him. That we should come to trial together. That I may answer him so that me and him, we can come to trial together. Eh? Yes, go on. There is no umpire between us. There is no umpire between us. Who might lay his hand upon us both? Who can lay his hand upon the two of us? Go on, please. Let him take his rod away from me. Let him take his rod of oppression away from me. Then I can speak freely. And let not dread of him terrify me. Stop terrorizing me, Ojari. Then I will speak without. Did you read the spirit that was behind this man here? Something was wrong. And I wanted to understand that sin is not just a disobedience of a code. It's the rupturing of a relationship with one who we say is our God. That's what was wrong here. It was an attitude of what? Attitude of what? Attitude of what? Attitude of the heart. If you didn't read this closely, you wouldn't understand the jibe that was between God and Job here. Read it again and read it smoothly, please. For he is not a man as I am. He's not a man as I am, who? That I might answer him. That I may answer him. That we should come to trial together. Abi. There is no umpire between us who might lay his hand upon us both. Let him take his rod away from me. Oh. And let not dread of him terrify me. Stop terrorizing me. If you take off your rod from my back, then we can stand. We can stand and I'll then I'll pour out my heart. What's your attitude towards God? I know that he was going through something hard. But this man was challenging God's sovereignty here. You are just oppressing me, Ojari. Uh, and, and you know, 
And what, how is your heart? In the place of sacrifice. How, what is your heart? That was the issue here. You will see the same thing repeated. Just go to the next one. Again in Job. Uh, Job, Job, Job 17. 1 to, one to 4. In the same CEV. Don't, don't, don't just go to CEV and, and, R, and, R, and RSV here. My hopes have died. My time is up. And the grave is ready. All I can see are angry crowds. All I can see are angry crowds. Making fun of me. Making fun of me. If you, Lord, don't help. Yes. Who will pay the price for that me? That is the RSV you are reading. CEV. CEV. Okay, give me RSV now. My spirit is broken. My spirit is broken. My days are extinct. My the grave is ready for me. Yes. Surely there are mockers about me. There are mockers about me. And my eyes dwells on their provocation. My eyes dwell on their provocation. Lay down a pledge for me. With yes. Myself. Who is there that will give shorty for me? Yes. Since thou hast closed their minds to Since you are the one who is responsible that they can't understand my plight. You are the cause of my trouble. But did this man understand the sovereignty of God and what God was trying to achieve in his life? No. Rather than that, what filled his heart? Accusations. Challenge. This is the attitude of heart. When we take God to be our equal. And we can say to him. As if I'm speaking to you. I dare not even, even speak to you that way. Mama will say. Me can show more We treat God like that. That's what he was trying to bring to us in Isaiah 66 verse 3. Now he that comes to me, you bring a bull, but it's like you are a murderer, you are killing a man. You bring an offering, it's like you come and put pig swine in my, in, in, in my altar. Who do you take me to be? There is an attitude of heart that relates to pride. That brings us to the point where we think that God is our equal. And I can do as I please. No, you can't. I want us to begin to test our hearts. In the form of the sacrifices. I chose the example of Job. Because we held Job out as an exemplary man. And indeed is an exemplary man. Because by the time he got to Job 42, verse 1 to 6, don't bother to read that. I'm shouting around short of after. He began to get to the point of understanding gradually that mm, this God is higher than I am. He can do what he wants to do with my life. He is sovereign and is not obligated to give me any explanation. Do you want to understand what true humility is? And Dele has gone to several extents in showing us and so on and so forth. But I sum up true humility in Luke 17 verse 10. Give me that so that I can press forward. True humility is summed up in the totality of the sense that is spoken in this 
singular sentence. Please back it up a little so that they can see what happened here. Uh, take it to verse, uh, start from verse 8. CEV. No, you wouldn't say that. No, go, go from to verse 7. I wanted to understand exactly what it is. Aha. If your servant comes in from plowing. If your servant comes in from plowing. Or from taking care of the sheep. Yes. Would you say, welcome. Yes. Come on in and have something to eat. Yes. No, you wouldn't say that. You would say, fix me something to eat. Get ready to serve me. So, so I can have my meal. Then later on, you can eat and drink. Servants don't deserve special things. Oh. Servants don't do what? How do you like that? Servants don't deserve special thanks. <laughs> Verse 10. And that's how it should be with you. When you've done all, you should then say, When you have done all, when you have done all, you should still say what? We are merely servants. We are merely what? Servants. I pray that the Lord, I don't have time to break this down, but if you are able to understand the projection of what God is saying here, as to what should be the attitude of heart. This has nothing to do with clothing, no. It has nothing to do with earrings, no. It has nothing to do with a perception, no. It's where. It is the same. When you have done all, you have been told to do. In the place of full and complete compliance. Lord, I have no expectation. All I want to do is just give you pleasure. All I want to do is just give you pleasure. All I need to know is that you are satisfied. I am not asking for anything other than to recognize you for who you are. That's all. If you understand this, you will understand what true humility, what is all about. It's an attitude of heart that cherishes and treasures the relationship with your creator that puts him above every other thing else, inconvenience or not. Because the servant that just came back from the ship, won't he be hungry? Won't he be tired? Oh, talk to me now. Ah, this master, you are even inconsiderate. Oh, dear, wrote to me. Praise the Lord. As you went to work, me too, I went to work. I'm not your slave, but you are my slave. I created you. I created you. Lord, help me here. I can't, I can't say it more. Your spirit will help them to see what true humility is all about. Don't come to God with an attitude. And I said it again. 
When I said oh, whether I will bring things to the house of God or not and so on, that's not what we are talking about. If you do, you receive the blessing. If you don't do, God's work will continue. But what is, matter, what is of significance to me is that you are fully aligned with his intent and purpose. You understand what God is looking for. And you do what he's looking for. And that's all my desire. For me also. Because I speak to you not as one that has arrived. But as one that has understanding of what the Lord is looking for. And I'm pursuing, like Paul said, forgetting those things which are past. I press on for the mark of the high calling of Christ. See if I, am, I can be caught of that which has caught me in Christ. That you may recalibrate your vision, your lives, your pursuits, the things that you are going after in the light of what God treasures. What is it that God values in a man? Godly humility is not a giant inferiority complex as some believe it to be. Man by nature is not humble if you don't know. Just test it. Just test it. Somebody comes on the street, you didn't do anything to him, wah wah. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? <laughs> Bobo, I job my wash what did I do to you? Man by nature is not what? It's not humble. So that uh, ah, that brother he doesn't talk who and you mistake that for humility. Wait until <laughs> wait until you 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 put your finger inside his nose, and then he, you will know that uh, this is his humility, not not humility. <laughs> In fact, those ones who are quiet are the most dangerous. Uh, who said yes there? Ajala <laughs> Genoa. Who said who said that? <laughs> you better let them speak out their minds then you know where they stand when you, you say, mm -hmm, he doesn't speak you better be careful when the man has finished you then you know he's not just quiet <laughs> praise the Lord man by nature is not humble by nature, we are well pleased with ourselves. And we are insane enough to think we deserve something good from the living God. I don't deserve anything. If I deserve, in fact, the only thing I deserve from God is judgment. Because by nature, I know who I am. <laughs> you may not know who I am. I know who I am. What I deserve from him is judgment. So to come to him with as if, uh, look, I, I even brought this to you and you are not happy. This describes exactly what Job thought of himself in his relationship with God. Men think that as long as God allows them to conduct their lives in a civil way, keeping themselves from the grosser sins, then everything is fine in their relationship with him. The important reality of humility is far from what men think. Job certainly discovered that. By the time he spoke through chapter 42 and chapter 43, he said, I shut my mouth, I repent in dust. And I'm simply asking, what is the attitude of your heart? Two more questions and I'll close for the morning. We will continue in the day that God permits. We're just about halfway. 
Why are you in the house of God anyway? Is it to seek reward for your purported labors? Give me Isaiah 58. This is a foundational scripture for me personally. A specific revelation that God gave me as a young man growing in him. As I was finishing my life as a student in the University of Ife. And it was in the, it was in the midst of what I call an atonement with God. I wanted to read verse 1 to verse 3. And I'm going to be asking you, please follow the scriptures. So that you will understand again. The principle of sacrifice and Sabbath is best reflected here. I would, well, the day we would deal with the Sabbath issue, said, uh, starting from verse, yes? Cry from, aloud. Yes? Spare not. Cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet. Lift up your voice as a trumpet. And show my people their transgression. Yes? And the house of Jacob their sins. Yes? Yet, they seek me daily. They seek me daily. And delight to know my ways. Like you come to church every Sunday, you come every Tuesday, you come every Friday, say they seek me daily. They delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice and take delight in the approaching and approaching to God. Then verse 3. Wherefore have we fasted? They had questions. They had questions. Like many of you do have questions. We come, we come, we come. With all the terrible traffic and so on and so forth. And then we wonder. Our coming, our coming, our coming. I'm saying, why do you come? Is it because you think you, you came here so that God can give you something? And if he doesn't give you the child you want in time, like a rolling stone, boom. You, went, you just go and jump in any other place. Why are you here? What is the purpose of the sacrifice? That's the question. We fast. You don't see it. Wherefore have we afflicted our souls? Yes. And thou takest no knowledge. And you don't even acknowledge it. Behold, in the day of your fast. And God then begins to answer them back. I want there is a singular word and a singular answer that I want to bring out of this verse 3 and verse 4. Because then if you get it right, you will understand what sacrifice, what Sabbath, what it is all about. Yes? Behold, in the day of your fast, yes. you find pleasure yes. and exert all your labors. Yes. Behold, ye fast for strife. You fast for strife and debate. Yes. And to smile with the feast of wickedness. Yes. You shall not fast as ye do this now, day. Now, what is the center that he is saying here? When you are fasting, you are fasting for what purpose? For what? For self. You fast when he said for you, you said when he says you fast for strife. Lord establish my right. Lord establish my right. He has cheated me. You have to stand up for me, God. Houseboy. Come and have fight my battle. I don't need to fast for him to fight my battle. You fast for strife. You strive for debate. You fast or smite with the feast of wickedness. You shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice to be heard on high. Go to the next verse. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? Mm. A day for a man to afflict his soul? Mm. Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush mm. and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Mm. Without call this a fast? Well, now, now look at it. 
It has nothing to do with bearing a long face. It has nothing to do with uh, the whole world knows that one guy is wiring me. <laughs> Will you call that also a fast? Two things. It's not about self. It's not about appearance. What then is it about? Why are you in the house of God? Go on, please. With thou call this a fast, verse and six. A, is not this the fast that I have chosen? Is this not what I have chosen? To lose the bands of wickedness. Number one, to do what? Lose the band. What does mean lose the band of wickedness? What does it mean? What does it mean? Talk to me, people, please. To save, to set somebody else free. And that cuts across everything that you see there. And really, this is where I should finish. Said, to lose the bands of wickedness. To undo the heavy burdens. To undo heavy burdens. And to let the oppressed go free. To let the oppressed go free. That you break every yoke. So when you are fasting, what is it about? Is it about me? Is it about appearance? Is it about what? About what? About others. It goes on that you will cast your bread onto others. Do you know that the most upsetting miracles of Jesus Christ were done on what day? On the Sabbath day. That people may understand. That in the place of sacrifice, it's all about deliverance for the life of others. If you're coming here, it's only because you want God to come and give you car. Go, don't come again. Because that's not... <laughs> you are laughing. It's too harsh. Okay, come. What about I just wanted you to see it's, 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 a, it's a dramatic way of saying change your focus. Of course, I love you here. Change your focus. Sabbath is about sacrifice. Fasting is about deliverance for others. It's not about me. So when he was looking at the place when he says, start from here in the marking of the people. It was to check first an attitude of heart. In terms of my relationship, how do I hold God? It's about others. That I may live my life for others. Because that's what Jesus did anyway. He said, for their benefit, I sanctified myself. He died on the cross for my sake. He who knew no sin... He became sin. That I may become who? Righteousness. The righteousness of God. He didn't need to do it for himself. He knew no sin. He did it for me. And I'm asking all of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus, if you understand what it's all about, would you change your focus and understand that our life and our work with God is about living for God and living for who else? For and for living for others. Get up on your feet. Pastor Dele.
It's a good place to stop. When the Lord permits again, we will take it from there. And then begin to deal with the issue of trembling with the word of God. I deliberately skipped a few things here because this is already 10 minutes to 1. I wanted to get on to let you understand why things are the way they are now. So that you can understand the spirit of Laodiceanism. What spirit has swept across even the church? And they are the things that are here. You know, I'm not one for long preaching. I have broken that rule today because there was need for it. And I pray that the Lord will reach your heart. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time on another episode of Voice of Restoration. If you want further information on today's episode, please call 0803-3628-796 or visit us online at tcbc.org.ng. Thank you.